For those of you that I haven't met, my name is Wesley, as Jago said, and um, I spend my weekdays working in the city um, for a private investment firm. And I've been a member here at HCC for coming up to two years. Um, I'm normally a regular 11 a.m. service, so if you don't recognize me, that's where I am. But it's so good to be with you here this evening. And uh, as we mentioned before, this is the third in a three-part series looking at 1 Peter chapters 3 and 4. In, in week one, we had the privilege of welcoming Honest of Four from Great Lakes Outreach in Burundi to speak to us on chapter three. And can you put your hand up if you were here two weeks ago? Good number of us, great. Um, wasn't it amazing? Wasn't his message just incredible? Wow, he is such a man of God, and we thank you, Lord, that you brought him to us. Um, and he was asking the question, when do believers suffer for doing good? He gave us two challenges. One, that we'll face suffering and, uh, and persecution when we do not compromise to sin. And secondly, he said that we will suffer when we follow God's calling on our lives. Now, this is a guy who is living and working in one of the most war-torn countries in our world, telling stories of persecution and facing threats of death to his life for his faith. And yet, here he is representing Jesus faithfully in that country. He wants to see God restore that country, and he follows his calling on his life. Then last week, we had Josh, our children's and youth pastor, bring us a message on the first half of chapter 4. And if you were there, you'll remember he challenged us on the command to live with eternity in mind. As he repeated Peter's message to flee from sin and to run towards God. I'm just going to pray for us as we um, begin to look at uh, this chapter together. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it brings life. It brings joy. I thank you that we can sing, great are you, Lord. And Lord, I thank you as we sang earlier that your promises can be our delight. Father, I pray that the words here would be comforting to those who are facing challenging times tonight, and that they'd encourage us and spur us on as we continue to live in Jesus' name. Amen. So the book of 1 Peter is described by many as a book all about suffering. Indeed, if, you've, if you look carefully at chapter 4, it has the word suffering painted all over it. In verse 12, you'll see, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. And in verse 15, if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer. Then verse 16, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. And then verse 19, so then, those who suffer. Peter, who here is writing to a group of new Christians, is explicit that as Christians, we will face persecution and suffering for our faith. But to think that this little letter is just about suffering, well, that would be to watch the marathon, to see the pain, see the grimacing, and then to turn off before the finish. You'd miss the smiles. It would be to read the gospel account and then shut the book at the crucifixion and completely miss the glory that's revealed in the resurrection. 
Charles Spurgeon, the great evangelist, um, said these words, like may or may not come up behind me. Great. Um, he said, they who dive in the sea of affliction bring up rare pearls. This is great. These are great words. Friends, are we so set on owning those pearls that we're willing to go into the seas of affliction to find them? This, this is what 1 Peter chapter 4 is all about. It's about acknowledging that those seas are real and they hurt. And it's about seeking those pearls. This text is all about smiling during the marathon. It's about diving into the depths of those seas with a joyful heart at the thought of finding those rare pearls. I'm going to share with you this evening a command that Peter is calling us to, and then I'm going to offer three reasons why I think we can live that way. But let's look at the command first. You'll find it in verse 13, which I hope is going to come up as well. It says, But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. There it is. Just two words. But rejoice. And I just want to say it right now because some of you might wonder later on, this command and this chapter is primarily dealing with suffering from religious persecution. This is what Peter is hammering home But I truly believe that if you suffer for any reason, because you have chosen to accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, then he cares. He is sharing in your suffering, and this text is for you. This verse 13 is not a glib quote from the self-help guide of positive thinking. That would say, believe in yourself and you can conquer anything. Think positively. That's all it takes. That's what the world wants you to believe, that it's all down to you. No, this verse, this command, it is utterly radical. It is completely supernatural. It is countercultural, and it's the way to we respond to suffering, and it comes only from God. When you rejoice in the face of suffering, it is not for your own glory. No, we read it is only possible because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. We can't do these things in our own strength. They go against our nature, but we can through God. And in the end, he is the one who will be glorified. The marathon runners, they would say, endure the pain while it's there because the joy that comes after, that's worth it. It's a fool who would say, rejoice, smile, laugh during the race, not in spite of the pain, but because of the pain. So why is Peter not a fool? One reason. It's because he knows God. Because Peter... He believes in a God who is sovereign, who reigns over life and death, and he has a plan for you and for me. Joy, then, 
That is what we are called to in the midst of trials. And that's what I hope to unpack through the rest of this evening. This text has three reasons why, um, why we can be joyful in the midst of suffering and obey the command of verse 13. And please, please don't mishear me. This joy, it's not superficial. It's not that British stiff upper lip kind of joy that says, make the most of a bad situation or put on a brave face. Joy isn't like that. Not this kind of joy. This joy, it's real and it's good and it's available for us if we choose to live in it. Some of us here will have experienced that joy that comes only from God. I know I have. And I know some here will not. But my prayer for all of us this evening is that we might taste a little of that joy this week, whether we are in a season of trials or a season of comfort. So reason one, why can we be joyful in the midst of suffering? It's on the screen behind me and it says, rejoice because the suffering is not a surprise but a plan. Why is that? Look with me at verse 12. It says, dear friends... Do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. The suffering that we face, because of our faith, has a purpose. It isn't strange, and it certainly is not meaningless. No, it is for our good, and it's for the glory of God. If you flick back to chapter 1 in 1 Peter, you read verse 7, and it says, These, that being the trials that the Christians were facing, have come so that your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. The trials we face are part of the will of God. Peter even spells it out for us in verse 19, where he says, Those who suffer according to God's will. Peter got it. He understood that there is a purpose to it all. It's for our benefit. Trials purify our faith like fire so that it may be proved genuine, reminding us who and what we are choosing to put our hope in. God tests us because he loves us. It's not because he hates us. No, I'll tell you what he hates, and that's sin. And he will stop at nothing to make us pure, holy and blameless in his sight. He cares for our eternity and wants us to be part of that family of God when judgment comes. To live with eternity in mind is to share in God's hatred of sin to acknowledge that suffering has a purpose so that our faith may be proved genuine. And it's for his glory that our actions may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Friends, the way we react to suffering, to tr- in, to, way we react to suffering in this life will echo into eternity. 
Rejoicing when hard times come point the way to God. To act joyfully in suffering is to live a distinctive life that points to Christ and will bring him glory. If you remain joyful through the toughest times, continuing to praise God for his goodness, is there a better witness to your friends and family that Christ is Lord? This is true worship. And it's hard. There's no denying that. But we are promised that it's worth it. Reason two, I hope, is also going to come up on the screen. And it's that we discover our identity in Christ. If you look with me at verse 14, it says, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Peter, he's looking back here on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 where Jesus says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. He says, rejoice, there it is again, and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. If you have chosen to put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you bear his name. You are his. You became a new person. You gained a new identity in him. Peter, he describes this transformation beautifully back in chapter 2 of this letter. I imagine some of you might be familiar with it, but he talks of the body of believers being transformed into a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. He says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. This is the name that we bear. And it's the name that Peter refers to in verse 14 and in verse 16. This is the name that we bear because we are a chosen people, a people belonging to God. And I don't know about you, but maybe we should wear those titles a little louder and a little prouder. Not boastfully, but with humble confidence. Yes, I do believe the Bible and in the teaching of Jesus. Yes, I do believe in his resurrection and the judgment of the living and the dead. And yes, I do believe that those who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. Friends, if, if saying things like that doesn't make you smile, then ask yourself, whose name do you bear? Are you his? Or are you someone else's? When hard times come, difficult conversations, compromising situations. Am I, am I, where's the trader? Or where's the sportsman? Or where's the brother? 
Or Wes, who's one of the lads having a pint on a Friday night? No. Am I proud to stand up and say, I am Wes, the Christian, one of a people chosen by God to glorify his name? And am I prepared to face the consequences that that may bring? Friends, I want to walk into eternity with a big smile on my face, like I just run a marathon, in the assurance that I am his, and I'm part of that holy nation. Reason three for why we can rejoice through suffering is that God is faithful through it all. Even the hard times when he might seem most distant. If you look with me at verse uh, 19, it says, So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. One of my favorite phrases is, make hay while the sun is shining. It means you take the chance to do something while conditions are good in the knowledge that at some point in the future, the opportunity will run out. And I say this because if you are sitting here tonight, as I was while preparing this talk, and you're thinking, my life's been pretty good. I haven't suffered very much. I have a job, family, friends, education, whatever it is for you. I don't face death threats, not like Honor Sephora does in Burundi. Life is okay, and the sun is shining. Well, if that resonates with you, can I encourage you to spiritually make hay? If God is blessing you in this season, can I encourage you to get to know him better? Learn about him? Spend time with him? Spend time in his word? Study it? Learn and recite his promises to you. Friends, we, we worship a faithful God who keeps his promises. Amen? Amen? So when I read that we are being made pure and holy through our trials, and it's for our good, I believe it. And when I read we are being made into a holy nation, I believe it. And when I read that the spirit of glory and of God rests on you, I believe it. Because I believe in a God who keeps his promises. A God who has given us his Holy Spirit so that we don't have to do this on our own. And a God who's given us a savior in Jesus Christ as the perfect example to follow. Peter here in verse 19 is encouraging us all to recommit ourselves to God's faithful promises. We can take joy when we participate in the sufferings of Christ because the glory of what is promised to come is far, far greater. Learn these promises now. Love them 
now. Believe them now, and you will be able to rejoice when the time comes. Make hay while the sun is shining. And if you are sitting here tonight and you are suffering, in this season, and it can be for whatever reason, I want to remind you of the promise in 1 Corinthians 12 that as a church, we are one body with many parts. And it says if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. I want to promise to you that Christ stands with you, but I also want to be standing with you and doing what I can to encourage you. And on behalf of this whole church, say we're standing with you and we want to support you. We're going to have a chance after this to pray for all those here in our congregation who are finding life a struggle right now. And I would be so excited to speak some of God's promises over any of you as an encouragement to you. Because we are all striving together to commit ourselves to our faithful creator and to continue to do good. So that is the command. Rejoice. Rejoice through tough times because it isn't a surprise. It's part of the plan. We can know that our identity is firmly in the name of Christ. And we can trust that our God is faithful to his promises through it all.